You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's take a look at the International Monetary Fund. It's because all these folks work in sync, ladies and gentlemen. So you have the Bank for International Settlements, you have the World Bank, and you have the International Monetary Fund. So the IMF, and I'm over here at IMF.org, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, works to achieve sustainable growth and prosperity for all of its 190 member countries. It does so by supporting economic policies that promote fiscal stability and monetary cooperation, which are essential to increase productivity, job creation, and economic well-being. All right, and so you can go uh, through the IMF, and we can take a look at their history. So you have 1940s here out of the ashes. Um, Let's take a look. They have actually a whole uh, presentation here on their website. It says, the IMF in history. 1940s, out of the ashes. As World War II draws to a close, Allied leaders draft plans for a post-war economic order so i said now maybe maybe the war had something to do with this and so again this brings up the july 1944 Bretton woods conference representatives of 44 allied nations seeking to avoid the mistakes that led to depression and remember the depression was what 1930 to 1939 and then you had world war ii growing out of that uh and world war ii uh, meet to plan a new economic order built on global cooperation so a new economic order They set up a system of exchange rates linked to the dollar to be supervised by the International Monetary Fund, and they give the fund three critical missions, promoting international monetary cooperation, supporting the expansion of trade and economic growth, and discouraging policies that would harm prosperity. March 1947, the IMF begins operations. Membership starts at 40 and grows to 189 by 2016 with the entry of NORA. May 8th, 1945, you have VE Day, Germany surrenders to Allied forces ending in Europe. And then you have the 1950s Cold War. Communist nations dominated, uh, dominated by the Soviet Union and China withdraw from the global economic system. So June 1948, you had the Berlin blockade. Again, folks, we're learning a little history today. Soviet Union begins blockade of West Berlin, which is set to last until May 12, 1949, in first major Cold War confrontation. March 1950, Poland withdraws from the International Monetary Fund. Eastern Bloc nation acts under pressure from USSR's Cold War intensifies. Poland will be readmitted in 1986. And then you have October 1956, Swiss crisis. Conflict over, or sorry, Suez crisis, conflict over Suez Canal involving Egypt, France, Israel, and the United Kingdom touches off international political crisis with major economic repercussions. 
First big loans, the Suez crisis is an early test of IMF's crisis management role and leads to first large burst of lending by IMF to the four countries involved, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, so they start giving out loans here as a result of certain things going on, folks. I don't know. Is it orchestrated? Is there a conspiracy there, conspiracy theory? In 1960s, decolonization of Africa under pressure from independence movements, France, United Kingdom, and other European powers give up their colonies. In 1961, IMF creates Africa Department. Only three of the IMF's earliest members were in Africa. Egypt, Ethiopia, and South Africa, by end of 1969, another 34 have joined. So the question is, under pressure from independence movements, France, United Kingdom, and other European powers give up their colonies. Well, who did they give up the colonies to? They give the colonies up to the people of Africa, or did they give the colonies up to the central bankers, to the IMF, to the World Bank, to the BIS? Ha! Huh, see? They didn't really give up power, folks. They just moved it <laughs> to a more powerful body. Says 1970s Vietnam War and oil shocks. U.S. spending on Vietnam War and domestic social programs leads to inflation and overvaluation of the dollar. August 1971, gold convertibility ends. U.S. President Richard, I am not a crook, Nixon, suspends convertibility of dollar into gold, ending system of fixed exchange rates created at Bretton Woods. OPEC oil embargo. In wake of Arab-Israeli war, OPEC members announce embargo against United States, Canada, Japan, United Kingdom, and Netherlands, leading to surge in global oil prices. IMF creates new tools to help countries facing an energy emergency in line with the fund's role to help smooth shocks and prevent harmful spillovers. You see, every time there's a giant crisis, the IMF, the World Bank, the BIS gain more power. Are you noticing that trend there, folks? A crisis is created, but the world bankers come to the rescue, which means you're selling out more of your freedom, your liberty, and your human autonomy to them. April 1978, flexible exchange rates. International Monetary Fund acknowledges right of members to adopt exchange rate agreements of their choice. 1980s international debt crisis. Banks use, quote, petrodollars, end quote, profits of oil-producing countries to increase lending to developing nations. So August 1982, Mexico defaults. Uh Renunciation of foreign debt marks beginning of debt crisis across Latin America. IMF takes on role of international crisis manager, again, coming in uh, to seize more power. March 1986, help for low-income nations. IMF establishes facility to lend to low-income developing countries at below market rates. That's, we will give you money if you do what we say. 1990s, collapse of communism, debt relief. Formerly communist nations join the global economy and capital starts to flow more freely across borders. November 1989, fall of Berlin Wall, collapse of communism in Europe ends post-war division of the continent. December 1991, Soviet Union is dissolved. 
20 formerly communist nations soon joined the IMF, the biggest expansion of its membership since the 1960s. Fund plays a central role in helping them manage transition from centrally planned to market-driven economies with policy advice, technical assistance, and financial support. Right, So the bankers come in and they take control. As you see, I think you see, I see it, is that the bankers are basically a country that is conquering all these other countries without actually having to have a country. (laughs) Their central bank is basically their uh, U.S. capital, their White House that they're dropping into your country. Uh, After a war tears down a country, the central bankers come into the rescue. Through the World Bank, through the IMF, through BIS, doesn't really matter. December 1994, Mexican crisis. Mexico devalues peso against dollar, promoting investors to withdraw funding. IMF participates in $50 billion program to stabilize Mexico's economy. It also provides financial assistance to Russia, Brazil, and other emerging markets. 1996, debt relief. IMF and World Bank launch initiative for heavily indebted poor countries to ensure that no low-income country bears a debt burden it cannot manage. Debt relief for 36 countries comes to almost $77 billion by 2017. Now, why would the bankers do that? Because they love these poor countries? Because they're philanthropic? Is it because they are altruistic folks no ladies and gentlemen because they're gaining control it's almost as if these events are orchestrated to allow the bankers to step in i don't know some might believe that it's just my uh it's not even my opinion i'm just throwing it out there it's food for thought july 1997 asian financial crisis thailand devalues bought marking beginning of asian crisis august 1997 imf loans announces $17 billion program for Thailand, followed by packages of $23 billion for Indonesia and $57 billion for South Korea, all in the middle of launching central bank digital currency right now. Crisis in Russia in 1998. Asian crisis spreads to Russia, already hobbled by severe budget deficits, causing plunge in Russian stocks, bonds, and ruble. IMF and international lenders provide $22.6 billion to help stabilize country's economy are you asking yourself where they got all this money from you should be 1999 fsap is created imf and world bank drawing on experience of asian crisis create financial sector assistant program to gauge resilience of members financial systems january 1999 the euro is born Euro is initially used as a unit of account to replace European currency unit, or ECU. Euro notes and coins begin to circulate January 1st, 2002. European Central Bank granted observer status at International Monetary Fund. When we get back, folks, we've got more to go through here. But this is the true history of the world. You want to sit there back in 2015 and Trump is running and say, we are for nationalism, we are against against globalism or as trump said eventually i am both a nationalist and a globalist believe me folks both things are great a nationalist globalist but here's the thing when you're looking at this i don't know some of you probably have read this you've read books on these topics uh, but if you actually go through this just on the official narrative here 
when you look at the history of how the current world was formed in the last you know 80 to 100 years and i like to start off with the progressive era so the late 1800s with the eugenesis coming out of the economic movement uh, all the way to now so we're talking 130 years you could see how the world is actually shaped you can actually see what we're living in now you'll understand where globalism comes from you'll understand how the bankers have control over all these countries the bankers fund all the programs we're talking about from eugenics to transhumanism uh, to technocracy i mean we're living in the technocracy but you could see here folks going through the history uh, what this all looks like and it's important i'm glad we did this today because now we're going to come out of this being able to analyze the future panel discussions and talk to wide awake jim with having a full understanding of what it is we are actually dealing with folks remember sun Tzu, art of war know thy enemy ladies and gentlemen know who you're fighting or know who you're at least going to try to run from all right folks i'm going to run from you for a short minute my name is dustin gold i'll be right back this is the dustin gold standard on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, folks. And right here up on the screen, for those of you over at Pain.tv slash gold, Just a quick little quote here from Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Eventually, we'll go over that book. Uh, I actually read it several times, uh, and I was teaching it to uh, one of my uh, ex-stepkids. But it says here, uh, quote, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy... For every victory gained, you will suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. What does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Okay, if you know yourself and you know the people that you're fighting against, but you have to truly understand what you're fighting, who you're fighting. Most of us really don't know what we're fighting, right? And that's part of what we're trying to get to here at the Dust and Gold Standard. We're trying to understand what we're actually fighting. And one of the reasons why I don't like to chase fires and I don't like to cover daily news, uh, one, because it really bores me, is that when you're running around trying to put out fires, over some law that the congress passed or over some decision a judge made or over something that elon musk is doing with twitter today or over something that elon musk is doing with twitter tomorrow or over the fact that twitter might have hid files that had to do with an election that might have been rigged and all this stuff it's just wwe wrestling well You're going to be fighting battles all day, every day, because you don't understand who the actual enemy is. You don't know who the enemy is. 
You don't know the enemy because you don't even know who the enemy is. This enemy is gigantic. The enemy is all around us, right? So you're going to fight this, this battle after battle after battle trying to put out these fires because you don't really understand who and what that enemy actually is. It says, if you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. So if you're true to yourself and really know yourself and your strengths, and you go through what we talked about, which was creating a list of your goals, and then creating a list of where you're at today, and then a realistic list of how you're going to reach those goals, the solutions you have to get to those goals, and you really understand that. You really have a path forward, but you don't know your enemy. You haven't studied your enemy. You don't know about the IMF and BIS and the World Bank. You don't want to learn about the coming central bank digital currency or universal basic income or the surveillance state or technocracy or transhumanism. You don't want to understand all this stuff. Then it doesn't matter how well you know yourself because you don't know your enemy. And therefore, for every battle that you win, I'm talking about simple battles. Like, let's say I go, aha, aha, I learned how to make bread. I can survive. I can beat you. But I don't realize that eventually they may turn off my electricity or not allow me to have an electric or a gas stove. And I didn't go and figure out how to cook this bread on a fire. Okay? Or... I didn't make plans for how I'm going to get yeast or how I'm going to get flour, right? I didn't fully understand my enemy and the capabilities of my enemy that they could eventually stop me from being able to buy flour or buy yeast or get access to clean water or be able to buy salt. I didn't prepare for that. So now I can make bread. They shut off my oven. They stop me from buying flour. So I think I win, right? I have a victory because I learned how to make bread. One step closer to being self-sustaining. They shut off my electricity. They stopped me with a CBDC from being able to buy flour. Now I was just defeated. So without understanding your enemy, but knowing yourself and understanding your plans, your capabilities, your skill set, you really built up your skills, you're ready to survive in a half Amish world, they shut you out because you didn't bother to educate yourself on your true enemy and try to understand them and be one step ahead of them. Okay, fine. I can't buy flour. Guess what, idiots? I bought a secret location, two acres up in West Virginia, dug a big hole, put in a fruit cellar. I have the ability to absorb the moisture there using old school technology. I don't need electricity. I don't need a dehumidifier. And I have flour stored for the next 50 years to make bread. So screw you. I built a stone oven up there where I can cook bread. I don't need electricity. I stored wood down in my cellar. I can have fire for the next 25 years. Guess what? Screw you. Nothing you can do to me. See, I knew my enemy so I could get around them. But if you don't know the enemy, you can't. And it says, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, and that's most of the people floating around, I would say 99% of the people floating around, they don't know themselves. They haven't looked in the mirror. They haven't leveled with themselves. They don't know their current situation. 
They don't know that everything they have is just built on debt. It could all come crumbling down. These guys can pull the rug from them because everything they have operates within that system. They can force you into a 400-square-foot cube and put a mask on your face because you're not prepared. You don't know yourself, and you sure as hell don't know them. Then be prepared to lose every single battle. All right? That's basically what it means in this context. And so this is why I'm working hard every day to educate myself further than I have in the past and then be able to pass that on to you and be able to package this into a series of discussions that will help my son be able to understand who the enemy is in this world and how he is going to work around them. Or some people may choose to join them. You know, once he turns... 13, 14, 15, he starts to figure out his way in the world, he may say, hey, dad, you know what? I understand and appreciate what you did for me, but I'm getting a brain chip and I'm going to take my chances and I want to live in the metaverse. Well, that's his decision. But you know what? I would have taught him all about that technology as well. So he's prepared and he goes into that contract with the uh, prison planet wardens of the matrix understanding full well what can happen to him and the potential risks and potential rewards of living in that system so understand yourself and understand your enemy and then you have a fighting chance to try to achieve whatever the goals are that you have written down my goals are different than your goals uh they're different than your neighbor's goals i guarantee everyone at pain.tv slash gold has different goals they're all in different situations this is why when people say well what are the solutions there's not a one-size-fits-all solution to any of these problems because some of these problems certain people may not look at as problems all right so i hope that helps you understand a bit uh, where i'm coming from all right let's get back to imf.org it says 2000s debt forgiveness global financial crisis and so it says here january 2001 debt relief imf and world bank announced that 22 countries including 18 in africa qualify for debt relief <laughs> imf and world bank announced that 22 countries qualify for debt relief well gee thank you central bankers you print the money out of nowhere and then you're going to give it to me i appreciate that if i play by your rules and i do what you tell me december 2001 china joins uh world trade organization entry into wto marks china's integration into global economy Okay, September 2008, Lehman Brothers declares bankruptcy. Collapse of U.S. investment bank marks beginning of global financial crisis. In following decade, IMF provides financing of about $500 billion, that's a half a trillion dollars, to 90 countries and injects $250 billion into global financial system, helping avert another Great Depression and enabling recovery of the global economy november 2008 gto uh, this is the g20 g20 washington summit leaders of group of 20 major advanced and emerging market economies lay foundation for reforms to strengthen global financial system in years that follow the international monetary fund works with standard setting bodies 
to improve surveillance and strengthen supervision and regulation of financial firms. G20 nations agree to undergo mandatory financial sector assessments by the IMF. So see, now the IMF has the ability back there in the early 2000s to now uh, go in there and to do financial sector assessments. It's mandatory. See, it takes a long time right to bribe everyone into getting on board with your system of complete and total control (laughs) it's brilliant though it's brilliant i mean if i was a bad guy you know i probably would choose to work for these folks international crime syndicate uh 2010s a halting recovery as advanced economies struggle to recover turmoil sweeps middle east December 2010, governance reform, IMF board approves far-reaching changes that give greater say in decisions to China, India, Mexico, Brazil, and other emerging market economies. 2010 to 2013, European sovereign debt crisis, soaring budget deficits so down about ability of several European countries to repay debts, government bailouts of ailing banks add to pressure, temporarily shaking investor confidence and viability of euro. IMF joins European Central Bank and European Commission in providing emergency loans to Cyprus, Greece, Ireland, and Portugal. 2011 to 2014 Arab Spring unrest and civil conflict sweep across Middle East removing rulers in Egypt Libya and Yemen IMF provides 37 billion dollars in loans to stabilize and reform regions economies and technical assistance on taxation monetary policy and public finances among other areas you guys see this Every time there's a crisis, the World Bank's IMF and the BIS get more powerful. It's almost as if these things are orchestrated. 2014 to 2015, Ebola response. IMF is one of the first international financial institutions to respond, delivering $130 million to three countries in September 2014 and another $160 million in February 2015. September 2016, uh, Remnimbi joins currency basket. Chinese currency added to IMF's currency basket alongside dollar, euro, pound, and yen in sign of China's growing importance in global economy april to june 2018 argentine crisis imf approves 50 billion dollar loan later increased to 57 billion dollars to help argentina's economy in the face of destabilizing market conditions i mean i'm going through all this because i want you to see a pattern basically every one of the things that i saved the imf for the last because they had the best uh, historical timeline and everything you see with the imf it's tied to the world bank tied to bank for international settlements it all has to go together i'll show you that momentarily but as you can see all these crises that i mean i'm someone who's followed the news over the years so i recognize pretty much the name uh, at least the, I, I go, oh, okay, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. When you're talking about Ebola, sovereign debt crisis, and all these things. Every single time these things occur, IMF and or World Bank come sweeping in, right? Boom, here we are, we're going to save the day. Here's $57 billion we printed out of uh, thin air. Well, you're going to come in, we're going to give you that. But, but, you're going to have to do X, Y, Z. And every one of these is a rabbit hole. You could spend a hundred episodes 
going through every single one of these crises, right? Every single one, break them down, figure out when the IMF or when the World Bank gave these guys money, what they had to give up. A lot of these cases ended up with them putting a central bank into their countries. But then they give them money, and I told you, they turn the citizens into debt slaves because the country technically owes the IMF or the World Bank, and now you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to stay in their good graces. All right. Some of these so-called dictator puppets we've seen over the years, Muammar Gaddafi and others, they get dragged out of their homes, beaten to death, and lit on fire. A lot of those are guys who tried to, whether they were good or bad overall, doesn't matter. A lot of them were guys that tried to stand up to the central bankers where they got power and then they said, screw you, I'm the boss, nothing you can do. And we say, yeah, right, we're going to come and drag you out of your house and kill you. And so we go in, we launch a coup, we take these people out of power. So every one of these is a rabbit hole. Uh, But each crisis that occurs, you see the central bankers gaining more power, consolidating more power, centralizing more power under their global economic system. And this is why all of a sudden, there's 112 countries working on central bank digital currencies because the whole system is run from the top on a bank for international settlements that started in 1930. And then you have the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund started in 1944. Right, So you can see how this system works, folks. It's a system of global power, and it is a technocracy because these guys are operating above above the level of our so-called representative government. This whole thing is part of why I say we live in a culture of technocracy. We're in a quasi-technocracy, not just because within this country, technocratic transhumanists like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others operate in and out of government they weave in and out of our government because there's bodies above our elected officials above the legislative branch and above the executive branch the president and even above the judicial branch uh the courts you know that are operating to make the whole system work and you see them pushing money around and all the money involves them building more technology turning them into first world nations developing countries that means putting more technology more surveillance more control and that's what we're moving towards here with the central bank digital currency system folks i'm moving towards a break i'll be right back this is dust gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 